Forward, a Fiserv podcast, features conversations with the people moving financial services and commerce forward. Here's your host, Jason Henricks with Fintech Forge. Getting digital and real-time payment experiences right is challenging enough for financial institutions. A global health crisis adds another layer of complexity, but that's when people need it most. In this episode, we discuss how First Republic achieved that goal and how they are meeting the needs of their unique client base. Howie, why don't we start with, in a pre-pandemic world, how is First Republic thinking about real-time payments and where did this fit into your digital priorities? Yeah, I mean, I would say real-time payments was 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 definitely a priority. Um, you know, it's, it's evolved, I would say, in the last, really in the last year prior to the pandemic. Um, it's gained a lot of traction. The, the marketplace, obviously, with, with the Venmos of the world um, and our clients, obviously, are, are a little unique in that they're obviously high net worth, many of them. Um, and so the challenge is, is, you know, sort of money movement in large volumes, uh, ideally in a real-time fashion, uh, but many of them are so used to, you know, sort of your traditional forms of, of wires, ACH, uh, which add complexity, add, you know, speed challenges. And so we had on our roadmap, you know, a, a sense of, okay, we need to get to real-time Zelle obviously being sort of one of the, the the first sort of primary entrance, at least for us, right, in terms of market reach and network reach that we felt was appropriate to tackle. We ultimately also had a challenge, again, like I said earlier, is is the the, the dollar amount, right? As as we all know today, Zelle, the, the challenge for many banks is, you know, the limits are are, are fairly low. And again, to, to meet our clients' needs. The, the high dollar limit was was definitely a challenge. So we were noodling across that quite a bit, um, which I think ultimately slowed our progression into real time because we wanted to obviously weigh and, and balance uh, our risk appetite with obviously what we wanted to offer to our clients from a speed and, and you know ability to send money real time. Tim, some banks and credit unions were like fast off the blocks to get into real time. Others, as Howie mentioned, were noodling and some still even seem to be lagging. When you look across that, that spectrum, what drove the, the first entrance to say you know, real time right now? And then are there other kind of endemic issues that the limits that Howie mentioned that are keeping, you know, that next wave from getting into it? Yeah, I think uh, if we kind of look back when we really started implementing real time, you know, two or three years ago, you know, the first organizations out of the blocks, they were looking at it as a way to gain an advantage, get a quick jump, um, demonstrate innovation to their customers, um, and, and sort of compete with a lot of the non-bank innovators like, yeah. uh, like Venmo and PayPal. And since then, it's becoming more expected from customers, really. So we're seeing more FIs saying, hey, I really want to participate in this. And they're starting, everybody's starting to develop plans about real-time payments broadly. And it seems like the place organizations generally want to start is in with P2P payments, person-to-person payments. That's where the greatest demand seems to be from the customer base. Just because, you know, especially now in this COVID world, I mean, it's a great cash replacement when we're not seeing people in person, right? That's where a lot of organizations are starting, 
doesn't mean that's the end. I think everybody's now starting to think about what's next. Howie, you were noodling, as you said, around how do we overcome limits? You have a very interesting you know, set of customers. Maybe you could describe for a little bit for those who aren't familiar with First Republic. You, know, you serve a very particular part of the market. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're you know, obviously we, we serve a, a more sort of high net worth client base. Um, we've got about, you know, roughly 300,000 um, clients uh, across our, all of our relationships. And, you know, given that we're, uh, you know, $110 billion plus bank, you can sort of get a perspective on, you know, the, 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 the sort of the, the value of, of each client to us from, a, you know, just in terms of their, you know, full financial portfolio that's being held within the bank. And so it's a very, it's a very different model. Um, and so, like I said earlier, many of our clients have, have really different needs from a money movement standpoint. And, you know, the dollar limits are, are ultimately always a, a challenge for us across any sort of money movement function, uh, whether that's bill pay or, or real-time payments. Did real-time make it harder? Because that is one of the things that we'll sometimes hear in the marketplace is, at least with ACH, we have some ability you know, to intercept. And the plus side of real-time is it's real-time. The downside of real-time payments is, well, it's real-time. How did you wrestle through that? Yeah, for us, it's like I said, it's, it's, it's the risk you know, it's the, it's the risk profile that we were, we were willing to be you know, sort of comfortable with. For us, our, our sort of motto was, you know, we want to ultimately serve our clients to the best of our abilities. And, and, and we felt that having a higher limit was, was a, you know, sort of a number one priority and, and definitely a, a requirement for us to, to enter this space. At the same time, we also made a commitment internally to say, you know, we're going to put in all the necessary tools you know, between our partnership with, with you guys, uh, as well as some internal tools that we put in to ensure that we do our best from a due diligence standpoint to protect ourselves from, you know, the risk that, that, that obviously gets elevated as a result of real time. So now the pandemic hits, the need for real time becomes very real. And you, how are you able to leverage that Fiserv partnership um, to bring this to fruition? Yeah, for us, uh, you're right. I mean, when the pandemic hit things, you know, the world obviously for a lot of people, you know, kind of turned upside down for a minute. Um, and, and obviously some would argue it's still a little upside down. But right now, I mean, for, for us, you know, our clients were so used to this high touch relationship model where, you know, they had access to bankers, they had access to, to, to people in branches, they could come in and, and move money, large volumes of money in sort of, uh, you know, unique and, and rapid fashion. And as a result of COVID, we had to ultimately, you know, limit the amount of access that they had physically and, you know, to our, to our bankers. And so we made it an effort to say, okay, let's just get this thing out there. Even though the limits may not be necessarily high on day one, we can learn quickly. So we partnered really closely with, with the Fiserv teams to say, okay, what do we need to do to get this out there quickly um, at the same time, limit the amount of risk and, and through the partnership, I think with you guys, we were able to come with a, with a rather unique approach from a delivery standpoint to just get it out there in sort of pilot mode. We also built quite a bit of a, a entitlement capability. So we were able to sort of turn it on for those clients that we felt were, you know, 
quote unquote less risk uh, to begin with, so we could get some learnings under our belt. Uh, and that was our very first sort of attempt to say, okay, let's learn, and then we'll you know rapidly progress the the the, the rollout throughout the rest of the bank. Yeah, because Howie, this is Tim. Hey, when you know once you guys thought through some of those business issues, once you pivoted and say, let's go. I mean, it actually happened pretty quick, right? I mean, you, you were able to deploy and you sort of did this in the middle of all this really starting to um, bubble up about COVID. I mean, there was a lot going on, but you guys seem to move pretty quickly through that. Yeah, we were able to, uh, you know, pivot, pivot really quickly. Um, you know, we paused some other things that we were working on. We were very obviously thankful for the for the great relationship and partnership that we have with you guys, um, especially with all the payments folks that were involved on the Pfizer side, and we were just able to to, to move. It, it's you know it's in the spirit of, of First Republic. You know many people I think have heard that you know our our motto is is move forward, move fast, and that was that was definitely you know in the spirit of what we were trying to accomplish given the the you know what what COVID was uh, causing as a as a as an impact to our clients and, and how they felt they needed to be able to transact on a, on a day-to-day basis. Tim, across yeah. the yeah. In industry, is First Republic unique in this regard in terms of how important P2P in real time came about? You know, it, was this an industry-wide phenomenon? Uh, absolutely an industry-wide phenomena. And, you know, what we've seen in COVID is the acceleration and the use of electronic person-to-person real-time person-to-person payments, right? We've definitely seen a strong uptick since March. Um, so two effects going on. One, more financial institutions pushing forward. And two, consumers, you know, being more and more attracted to it. This is a great way to move money efficiently. Why do you think that happens? Because part of it, you know, if you look at the Venmo, you know, kind of case study of what broke up in P2P, that importance of real-time was it was replacing an in-person, I would physically be handing you cash, you know, as we're settling up after, you know, going out for lunch. Well, people aren't going out for lunch and need to settle up anymore. But if you look at, you know, industry analysis, you know, peer-to-peer payments is going through the roof across all of the networks, right? The, the market's just exploding. An open question to both of you, what is driving, you know, both P2P and then broadly, you know, this need for real time? So I'll start in and, you know, Howie can jump in, but, you know, there's lots of situations. You can envision any time you currently write a check or would have been thought about using cash to pay somebody you know, that's being replaced with, you know, electronic person-to-person payments. So it could be someone who babysits or walks a dog, does small tasks, uh, could be someone who, you know, lives in another state, uh, you know, one of your kids. So there's a lot of situations that people don't always think about right away where it's like, yeah, I want to get this money to them. And when you're sending money to another person, speed is so important. I mean, not having that other person wait um, on that money, uh, it, it's just a better feeling. And this stuff moves instantly and it also moves seven by 24. You can do this on a Saturday or a Sunday or doesn't matter. And, so, you know, so that's one of the things that's really driving P2P. And I think it's kind of creating this broader expectation that, man, everything I do in terms of how I make payments, this should all start to move instantly. And so we're now kind of going to be moving beyond person-to-person payments to other kinds of ways. Howie, what is First Republic looking at as you're expanding beyond you know, that person-to-person? Because that expectation, we're not just talking about a, 
you know, the world's gotten faster and we expect things to, to move in real time because the internet is real time. I think, Tim, something that I would extrapolate and tell me if you both agree, part of the reason real time is so important is there is a settlement piece of this. If I think about, you know, sending a wire and then I have to call you and say, hey, did you get it? And then if you don't have it, you know, I call the bank and I say, where is it? You know, and there's nothing more frustrating in the world than saying, well, the money's out of your account. It's like, well, I can see the money's out of my account, but it's not, it's not in Howie's account yet. So where, where is the money? Um, you know, in, the same is true from a business point of view, right? If a vendor owes me and they're like, I'm sending you the money, you know, that could be anywhere from three to seven days, depending, you know, how you sent it, where you sent it. So Howie, how are you baking this into the experience of First Republic? Yeah, I mean, I think this the strategy obviously will, will will continue to evolve. I mean, for us, you know, clients and and our clients, I mean, have have complex relationships with with our bank. Many are not only consumer clients, um, but you alluded to it as you know, business is important as well. I I think for the future, I I see a lot of potential from a from a from a Zelle business to person, business to business payments perspective. Um, and it's back to that sort of large, large quantity, large volume, you know, limiting obviously the amount of risk, but at the same time, like you said, cash flow is, is important, you know, to, to many consumers uh, and, and many, obviously many business uh, accounts that, that we have. And so that real time being able to have that, that, that instant gratification or satisfaction is, is, uh, is critically important uh, in, in, in these scenarios. Yeah, that's right. That we're, Seeing that all over the place, that certainty uh, that you mentioned earlier, uh, Howie and Jason, right? It's like, okay, I know it's done. Check that off the list, right? My obligation is set. I mean, if you think about how our lives have evolved in the last 10, 20 years with these digital, you know, our digital lives have emerged and so much of what we do now, we get that in instant gratification. We immediately know, we immediately get a confirmation. You know, you, you spend, you, you, you know, go to the grocery store, you make a payment with a credit card, I get an alert right away, you know, $237 was spent at, at the grocery store. So, so this immediate confirmation of what's going on is critical. And so, you know, we're seeing that first in a lot of cash and check replacement, like person to person payments, but now you're going to see it creep into how I transfer money between accounts, how I pay a bill, how fast the insurance company can pay me on a claim, right? it's just going to creep more and more into our expectation about how our, our lives work in payments. You know, you brought up, you know, we start with P2P. Now you're talking about the B2C, the business to consumer, that settlement of like, why does it take so long for the insurance company to, you know, settle, you know, that claim that could be instantaneous and that hanging over your head, right? It's, it's almost like the processor always needs to be running on like, did I get it? You know, why shouldn't it be when I filed a claim and it's approved and the money arrives and I don't have to think about it versus pour through a stack of paper to figure out if something is settled. Other application areas on the B2C part of it first, either Howie or Tim, that you're excited about? Yeah, so I'll jump in there and then Howie, you know, love to hear you know, some of the things you're seeing in your market as well. But I mean, a lot of this immediate payment is already happening in the gig economy. Right. And uh, we used to talk more around uh, Uber and Lyft, but now it's more Uber Eats. Yeah. <laughs> but the concept is the same. You've got somebody driving a car and they do it as a part time job. Right. It's not their full time job. And and when they do it, they're doing it for extra cash. And the key word there is cash. 
Yeah. Right. They want to get paid right away. They don't want to wait for three days or two weeks to get paid for those deliveries they just did. They need the money. Maybe they have to make rent. Maybe they have to pay for a cell phone phone bill. So we're seeing the gig economy use instant disbursements all over the place. And now it's moving into other sort of like disbursements like insurance claims. Yeah, that's 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 spot on, too. I mean, if you flip it, if you flip it on its head. Right. I mean, we also have, you know, many, many of our clients who are consumer clients, you know, have have properties and, you know, they're quote unquote real estate, you know, managers, of, of you know, and, and, and run sort of individual businesses within that. So so you've now got consumers wanting to to be able to pay rent, to be able to pay utilities. Right. All of that stuff in, in a real time fashion. And again, for for many of these these folks, whether you're a consumer or a business, that real-time cash flow is, is, is critically important uh, in this day and age. We're talking about, you know, as we, especially as we get into the commercial side of things, some fundamental changes to you know, the way businesses are run, you know, themselves. You know, this idea of, you know, are we going to see you still have 30, 60, 90-day terms, but then it's an instant, you know, payment? And how often have you seen, you know, the commercial clients able to leverage, you know, the kind of that window you know, of additional float, you know, is that going to be a challenge for the commercial clients themselves to adopt? Yeah, with commercial payments, it's interesting, right? <laughs> In some cases, it's about getting the money there faster, uh, you know, because you have a supplier and it's cash on delivery. Okay, that means I need to get the money there right away. In other cases, it's getting paid faster. And in a lot of cases, it's how do I know I got the payment, you know? How do I know that the person received the payment? It's that instant uh, confirmation that the payment was made is, is sometimes as important or more important than the payment. So we're seeing that, uh, you know, in a lot of situations, uh, again, personal payments are moving faster in real time than the commercial, but you're starting to see those factors really kind of creep into certain uh, use cases within business, not all business payments, but certain segments paying a small business, cash on delivery, you know, the disbursements we talked about, um, those are the places where it's, it's really kicking in. This disbursement one, you know, makes a lot of sense that, you know, while an insurance company, as an example, would have that float, it probably creates a, a tremendous cost savings on the, you know, back end of customer service related to people calling in and searching for payments and lost checks that, Settling it instantaneously isn't just a better experience. You know, it actually makes their business operate better. Yeah, it's that confirmation. They know that the intended recipient got the money. That's huge, right? If they send a check, the customer may have gotten the check. It may be sitting on their bulletin board, but until they deposit it, until it clears, they don't know what's going on. Yeah. And with an instant payment, it's instant and you know, and you can close that out and you've got confirmation. So it's, it's not disputable whether the money made it there or not. Well, and just, and even from a client feedback perspective, right. To, to turn this around from just user expectation, <laughs> again, whether you're a, you're, you know, you're a corporate client, enterprise client, a, a small business or, or just a consumer customer at the end of the day, right. The expectations are, if I can do it, you know, P to P, why can I, why can I not do it in any other form? Right. Um, and so I think when you look at, you know, sort of customer and user expectations around speed, around, you know, um, the, the confirmation, 
around instant gratification, you name it, right? And and just the ability to have have you know it be done instantly and funds available instantly. I think those those expectations are just going to continue to increase going forward. And 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 Zelle is you know obviously the the, the one of the biggest forays into it currently. That funds availability is another key aspect that we hadn't delved into. And I think that's a really important one from the experience because you know, how often have we experienced this when you you know log into your account and you see three different balances, right? In terms of you know what's available now, what's pending, you know, and what's being held up to to actually make that much more fluid. I think not just you know consumers but commercial. And Howie, you had brought up a really important point of this when we talk about a fraud perspective you know, that real time, you know, once you get comfortable and invalidated, you, you can really begin to squeeze fraud out of the system that you don't need those level of controls. Was that part of your thesis? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's, for us, it's, it's a little belt and suspenders, right? I mean, I, I think, I think, yeah, we could, you know, fraud, hopefully, you know, fraudsters will, will move on, right? As, as, you know, more controls and more protections get put in place. And for us, it was just, let's, let's put everything into place and, protect us as, as much as it can, right? And if, if we need to double up on stuff, let's let's double up, right? Because it, it doesn't hurt. Um, and ultimately, you know, we care about user experience. And so if we can deliver something to a, to a client that, that is differentiated, yet at the same time, you know, protect the bank, it's a, it's a win-win situation. Yeah, and Jason, a lot of things people don't see going on behind the scenes is as we've gotten into real time, there's there's sort of years of work and experience going in to fine tune the fraud and risk models that are running behind the scenes to kind of identify patterns and, and, and when things should be stopped or challenged. Um, so that's been a little bit of a learning process, but we're getting pretty good at it. So how do we create this frictionless experience uh, and keep it frictionless so we're not stopping the consumer going, oh, wait, we need to think about this. Let's put this on hold. We can't do that. That, that destroys yep. it. So it means we've got, had, to be, had to become really good at fine-tuning our fraud and risk models, actually to the point where the fraud and risk models we do are particular to the particular use case. It's person-to-person payments or, or transfers or bill pay. What other back-end pieces? Because it, this seems like, Oh, you know, rolling out real time, don't you just speed it up? Like, is there the dial, you know, you turn it up, but there's a lot of infrastructure that needed to be upgraded and changed to do this. What else is happening below the surface that people might not fully appreciate? Well, I think I, I would add, I mean, this, this just sort of elevates the, the need from a system stability standpoint across all platforms, right? Whether it's your core banking platform, your digital banking platforms, or even Zell for that matter, right? Um, it, it's a it's a very well integrated product, but there's a lot of dependencies for this thing to work, and and you can't just you can't just have real time stop, right? So yep. so it, it, it's hard for people to kind of comprehend that, you know, oh there's an outage or oh there's a maintenance window, and now I can't send money all of a sudden. Plus the expectation, right? If you if you schedule something and then there's an outage, right? The expectation is those those funds have gone. Right. And, yeah. and from a consumer perspective, they don't care or want to care or even know how the sausage is getting made with in, internally. However, the banks are now sort of on the hook to make sure that it's up all the time. Right. To, to Tim's point, the 24 by 7 thing just got, you know, even even more elevated 
from a, from a need perspective. So last question for each of you. What do you think that next step in the journey is, Tim? Because I think there is, we've seen the first step. We see the end game, which is everything is real time. What, is, what do you think that next thing in between is around that journey? Yeah, there's a couple things. You know, I actually think of like three things. One is more uses. So infusing real time as an, as an option. You don't have to send it real time, but infusing real time and an option into every you know, situation, every use of or use case. So, so that's, that's one thing. Number two is rails. There's an emerging set of rails behind the scenes. Right, we've got Zell today. We, we can use the Visa and MasterCard rails. The clearinghouse has launched a, a, another payment rail that we use behind the scenes. The federal reserve is launching their own version of that called fed now in, in the next uh, two to three years. So, Consumers and businesses don't see that, but for us as infrastructure providers and for Howie as a, as a provider to, to their customers, you know, using those rails behind the scenes um, is, is something we're doing because what it means is you can now get real-time payments to more places more often. You know, it becomes ubiquitous. So you need all those rails so that you can get everywhere, yep. right? And, you know, and then the third is you're gonna see a lot more smarter payments. So payments with information, right? The payment may come with a receipt or the payment may not start as a payment. The payment may start as a request for payment. Yeah. So we're going to see more, we call that moving from transactions to interactions in payments. And that's going to be also another important way. Howie, what's next in terms of your uh, step into real time? Yeah, I mean, I think to my point earlier, it's, 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 it's how do we start to, 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 to bridge the, the consumer and the business relationships. It's how do we make this stuff available to just to business and, and just continue to, to evolve the product from a risk appetite standpoint, from a limit standpoint. We obviously would, would, would love to, to differentiate in the market and, you know, related to, to that. Right. I, there's one other thing that I think is yeah. really important for, for the audience to think about is like, you know, this move into real time payments, I mean, it's going to be a, a capability where, you know, banks and credit unions are uniquely positioned to, to take advantage of this transformation. It's going to really reassert their competitive advantage for, for, uh, for customers. So, you know, if you can think about doing everything you need to do instantly, you know, from the comfort of your, you know, mobile app <laughs> with Republic Bank, that's a big win for financial institutions. Thank you for joining us. Look for future episodes of Forward at Fiserv.com slash forward and soon on major podcasting platforms.